It's wonderful to see all of you. We have this open satsang once a month so that those of you who are not on this spiritual path can get a sense, a taste of it. Every meeting that we have is a satsang. Sang, sang, sangha, it means a gathering, a community. And sat refers to the ground of being, our essence, our deepest truth of who we are. And so we gather to touch into our sat, our most deep level of being, to taste what self-realization is about, and then to transmit it, to share it with others, and to learn to live from that place of centeredness and strength and authenticity and love and clarity and wisdom and the capacity for sharing for reciprocity and mutuality and relationships so that we can be a blessing to the world. But before we can do that, we have to be able to get out of the false self. We have to get out of this chattering mind cage that most of us have. And free ourselves from negative emotions, anxieties, depressions, all kinds of negative belief systems in order to reach the real self. A new student recently gave me a book called The Biology of Belief, which is a very good book, except it only deals with the conscious beliefs, at least as far as the book I've read. But the real problem is that we have unconscious beliefs, beliefs that we don't even know that we have, that control us, that determine what we will perceive. You know, they say, I'll believe it when I see it, but the truth is, you see it when you believe it. And so what you see that you think is a raw datum of experience is actually filtered by unconscious beliefs. And so it's a very subtle thing to be able to get out of belief systems that you experience as if it is reality and that therefore already determines your response. And therefore we don't even know that our behavior is being conditioned by something inner that we project onto the outer. And so the liberation that is required is a liberation from the unconscious mind, not just the conscious mind. And to achieve that, we have to go to the superconscious levels of our consciousness. And that's what yoga is about. Yoga is the science of reaching the highest levels of consciousness. It's a science that has been ongoing for at least 5,000 years, as long as recorded history. And it has spread from its birthplace in India to ancient Egypt and uh, to other parts of the world uh, into the esoteric levels of the Judeo-Christian tradition. It reappears in different times in the Middle Ages as alchemy and as Kabbalah. And uh, it's present in all of the nature religions, the shamanic paths. It's, It's there as a perennial philosophy and practice. So it doesn't belong to any particular religion or any philosophy or any culture. It's global. It's worldwide because it has to do with human nature, not to any specific belief system. It is the transcendence of all belief systems to the supreme real. And if we can live in the real, we will live in a state of oneness with all beings and with the ability to be harmonious, to cooperate, and to offer the highest wisdom that we can download from that source 
that will be able to inspire us with greater creativity than the false self can manifest in an egoic life. So there are many practical benefits to the practice of yoga. And in order to practice yoga most effectively, we need to have a lifestyle that promotes that. We need to have a diet and nutritional system that promotes the health and the vibrancy on a cellular level and a state of psychological balance, emotional stability, maturity. And when the ego itself becomes very healthy and very strong, it has its own inherent desire to transcend itself, to dissolve into the supreme real. But that desire can't be reached until we go through a process of releasing the ego itself from an enchainment to the most basic level of what is called today narcissism, egocentricity, that wants to contract and hold on and possess and hoard and accumulate as many possessions and experiences and enjoyments as possible. And that holding on and that egocentricity then distorts our emotional fields, it distorts our relationships with others, it creates huge suffering, it creates karma, and it uh, distorts the whole field of the social world. And our social system on a collective level now promotes narcissism as if it's a good thing. So we are going against the grain uh, to be yogis and to transcend egocentricity into a more altruistic and loving mode of being. And so there's resistance from outside as well as inside because if you become too loving and too happy, people will think you're strange and they'll want you to go back to the way you were before. So we have to have the courage to be different, to find our own uniqueness and then to offer that to the world knowing that it is a gift and that society today is not in a very healthy state. So if you're too well adapted to society, it's not a good sign. So we want to be able to have the courage to go apart from the herd. And if the herd is going over the cliff, we don't want to go with them. We want to be able to, to warn them and to prepare another path for humanity. Today we're, in, we're at an interesting moment in human history when a number of lines of force are converging on a single point. As you all know, we're in a state where there is climate change that is about to bring about a radical shift in our meteorological conditions and climatic conditions around the globe. We're in a sh- uh, probably an impending global financial crash. There's an impending loss of geopolitical stability. There's a, a, a massive breakdown of all the physical systems, the ecosystem itself, the life systems, the oceans are dying. There's a shortage of drinking water. There's a shortage of food. There are droughts. There are more and more disease-resistant bacteria and viruses, and we can see the oncoming uh, plagues to which we have no response. Uh, We see the breakdown of societies, the breakdown of families, of relationships, and we watch our own psychological breakdown as we become more and more stressed by all the events that are happening. And we could go on and on and list the number of things that are all converging on this omega point that we're reaching today. And the question is, how do we respond to all of that? Most of us choose the ostrich method, 
We put our head in the sand. We pretend it isn't happening. We try to hold on to our denial until it impinges on our own life in some dramatic way. We lose a job. Somebody dies uh, violently around us. Or we, some other terrible thing happens. But we don't want to wait for that. If we, if we wait for that, then it's too late. But most of us have another beer, watch TV, and pretend it's okay. That's not the answer, though. Then there are others who choose to try to make local ameliorations of the situation. You do recycling, or you try to clean up a beach, or shut down a mining operation, or do something on a local level, stop the shark finning that's going on. But the problem is you see that it's too vast a crisis, even if you stop, save all the sharks from being finned, but what if there's no fish for the sharks to eat? And when the water is too acid for them to live and there's too much human garbage floating in the oceans for any life forms to exist. We're in a situation now where no local limited kinds of steps can actually save the situation. It's something too vast. And because it's too vast, we don't want to think about it. But that's not the right response. It won't help us. And so the, the very interesting thing is that this time period that we're in was prophesied that we would reach this by thousands of years ago by, again, the great seers and sages and yogis of all traditions. You'll see this in Mayan prophecies, in Nostradamus, in the Book of Revelations. You'll see it in the Mahabharata. You'll see it in many, many different scriptures. It's predicted. Why? Because it was understood that the human ego is an entropic system. That is to say, it gets more and more chaotic through time, less and less centered, less and less capable of making accurate judgments, less capable of maintaining internal peace or peace with its neighbors, and more and more needing to project its own aggression outward, more and more need, therefore, for war and conquest and pillaging, to support a sense of lack within that grows, a black hole within everyone's heart, because there's less and less capacity to love. And now we've reached the bottom point in that process. And there has to be a restoration that starts from within, a renaissance of the human spirit, in which we sacrifice that ego that has become corrupted and negative and emptied out of its value and return to the source of all value, whether you call that God or the self or Brahman or Allah or our Buddha nature, it doesn't matter. All the religious and spiritual paths have referred to this ultimate reality. And it doesn't matter whether you think of it as personal or as an impersonal cosmic intelligence, whatever, because it transcends concepts. Whatever you think of that ultimate reality, that's not it anyway. And the only way you will ever know that reality is by entering into that reality, by realizing that all along you have been part of that reality, but you have been alienated from it in this false ego identity and the chattering mind that has kept you from feeling the the love, the divine love and divine presence that is within you. And so it is very easy to return to that if we wish to because it's already there. It doesn't have to be created or imagined or even believed in. All we have to do is be willing to experiment by silencing the mind and entering back into the heart and returning to that silence that will heal us, literally make us whole again, 
from these fragmented beings that are in chaos to a centered, empowered being of light, of presence, of pure divine awareness. So we have that ability, and we only have to have the will to actualize it by sitting in our beingness and not running away from ourselves, which most of us are doing by running into the future and trying to prepare for a future that doesn't happen the way we prepare for it anyway, but we're rehearsing constantly, or we're thinking about the past and being angry, why didn't I say this, why did they say that? And we're always making ourselves miserable and increasing our suffering rather than finding the source of peace and power and love and joy. So it is possible to have a profound positive effect on the world And that's because, as quantum physics has now proven, we are all interconnected. Since the discovery of quantum entanglement at the most basic fundamental level of elementary particles, it is clear that all of us are connected, ultimately as a single mind, a single intelligence. But we have to get out of that separated level of the ego mind into the greater cosmic mind that is available There's no barriers to it except that we haven't chosen to go that deeply within. And that's all we have to do. And when we find that oneness, we will also find a greater power of intelligence that can actually solve the world's problems. Because we will understand the world from a much higher level than our current scientific concepts understand it. And the solutions to these problems will be clear. It doesn't require miracles because the power of nature itself is already miraculous. But we have alienated ourselves so from nature that we are not able to tune in to the power that we would be given if we were willing to surrender. And this is what the ancient seers and shamans have always known. We need to create a new community of shamans that can download the information that will enable the survival and the restoration of our whole planetary web of life. And it can be done if we dedicate ourselves to it. But right now, human beings are incapable of living in a community. We're incapable of living together harmoniously because egos are in resistance to one another. And there are always power struggles and clashes and hatreds and overwhelming desires and urges that prevent a harmonious brotherly-sisterly relationship that can maintain a stable community. And because of all the changes that are about to happen on the earth, we have to be prepared to change our lifestyle, to be in accord with nature again. We can no longer live in alienated urban environments. And when the oil runs out and the electricity uh, shorts out and the other things are gone and there's no food in mas permenos, then you'll realize that you have to do that. But don't wait for it to reach that point or it'll be too late. Take action now. Create a self-sustainable communal lifestyle. It's possible to do that. And we can change the way that we're impacting life on earth in a positive way and provide role models for the whole world so that our species can adapt in time to the crisis that we're facing. And we can do it with peace instead of global war. And this is extremely important if we value the survival of our race. But our own souls are in the balance right now. And the only way we're going to make this kind of a transformation possible is by first transforming ourselves. 
because that's what we have power to do. I can't change you, I can't change the governments of the world, but I can change myself and I can create relationships locally that are more loving, harmonious, creative, empowering, and that are out of the box of the current belief system about what is possible and what isn't possible. And then once I'm out of the box, then what would have seemed miraculous and impossible becomes obvious and clear and easy and effortless. And the more that we synergize and come together with that kind of an outlook and that willingness to surrender the ego into the communal fire of harmony and live at a higher level together for the sake of all, for the sake of the supreme spirit that each of us embodies, then we will be able to not only restore life but realize that this was all a blessing to bring us to that more divine level of being. So, knowing that it is a blessing, knowing that this is something very positive, we won't be afraid of it, we won't uh, respond with anxiety and with flight from it, but with an openness of heart and an openness of mind to new ideas and new potentials and to the capacities within us that have not yet emerged. We are like seeds, and we need to cultivate those seeds particularly the God seed within us until it flowers. And we realize that we are immortal, eternal beings of light and of love, not simply physical organisms, but that these are merely our temporary vehicles. And when we do that, we will conquer the fear of death and all of the other fears that cripple us in living a full and vibrant life. And so this is the human destiny, that we return to this highest level of our potential. And the path to do that is really very simple, but not easy. It's not, it's not easy because it takes courage. It means looking within and seeing what is not authentic within and processing it out, purifying the soul, eliminating those obstacles that separate your conscious mind from the divine self within you. And when we have purified it and there is a, a connection and gradually a oneness with that supreme energy that is shining within us, then our lives will be changed forever. So it requires that willingness to do transformational work and an openness to silencing the conscious mind and allowing the divine energies to fill us. And literally, you'll feel it filling your soul, your cells, your souls and your cells of your physical body and bringing you greater health. The cells today in our bodies have a shortage of prana. That's the bioelectromagnetic energy. And it has shorted out for most of us and it's creating a plague of all kinds of diseases. Some diseases are psychosomatic and they're caused because of problems in the soul that are transmitted to the body as symbolic reflections of messages that we don't get. But other diseases are there because of the organic contamination of the world through pesticides and through uh, genetically modified food that isn't appropriate for our uh, genetic forms and the, the air pollution and the water pollution and all of that that we take in and that builds up in ourselves. So that pranic cleansing can help to restore the health of the physical body as well and, and recharge us electromagnetically because that kind of, of a very subtle energy is actually more important than the physical food we eat, more important than the vitamins and the minerals. 
are the, the pranic energies, and more important than that are the thoughts that we take in, our mental nutrition. And the more that we take in higher level of thoughts that, that bring us to higher levels of consciousness, that has a cascade effect on all the different levels of our body and our mind and our soul. So all of this has been well known to the sages of the East for thousands of years. It's only a matter of putting it into practice. It's not hard to do, but it helps to have a community support system. And it helps to have a, a scientific understanding of why this should be done and not that. And a disciplined regimen of practice of meditation until we realize that all of life is a meditation. And then we can take off the training wheels and live spontaneously and effortlessly in that divine beauty. But the discipline to get to that point is very important. Just like the discipline of a musician learning to play any instrument needs to practice hours and hours. It, it, it helps if we practice the art of meditation. Because conquering one's own monkey mind that wants to chatter and run here and there takes some willpower that needs to be gained, just like you would train a dog to sit and to be house-trained and all of that. You need to train your own mind so that it's quiet when you need it and it, it obeys you when you want to turn within and enter into the heart and to be able to focus the divine energies for healing and for other spiritual work. And so this process of becoming an adept yogi is something that you can learn easily if you devote yourself to that. And it's always been considered the highest achievement of humanity to devote your life to that level of shamanic and supreme wisdom so that you could serve as a healer for the race. We are in more need of spiritual healers today than at any time in the past. And so whoever volunteers for that work uh, will be called upon to help the world. There'll be no shortage of people who come to you for the help that they need. The current conventional medical system is in a shambles. They have lost the ability to heal people. The, the, the pills they give you these days make things worse. They have more side effects. They don't do the proper testing of them because greed has taken over the system. And instead of helping you when you're, you have some kind of anxiety to get to the root of it or some depression, they give you a pill instead. And they try to cover everything over with, with Band-Aid treatments or with uh, such uh, radical treatments, radiation treatments, chemotherapy, those kinds of things that don't get to the root of why you got the illness in the first place but cause more damage to the body and lower your chances of survival. And we've lost the understanding that nature will cure us if we're ready to be cured and healed. That power is within us. Turn there first. Turn to the God source within. Use that power. Don't ignore it. Don't pretend it. it's not real because it is the only thing real. And when all of these other systems break down, that is all we have left to depend on. And so that's what we teach here, is how do you come to access that? and use it to empower yourself to lead a truly divine life here and now. <laughs>